0: This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast with Greg Smith and Jay Foreman. Exclusively on the Hurtout Media Network. Oh, yeah. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into to the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hail Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. You, are, you cannot wipe the smile off my face as long as this weather is around for him. <laughs>
1: I am Jay Foreman, your bootleg, uh, Tim the Tool guy, uh, wannabe, uh, dad fix it all in a 2021
0: style. Uh Uh-oh. Now, listen, before we go any further, I got to hear about this. Because, first of all, I don't even – I don't. are you actually handy? Would you consider yourself to be handy?
1: I am when I have to be. And uh, you know what I do is I fight it too much. And uh, I had the idea that it was such a nice weekend with good weather up in the 70s. And I was going to go out there, and uh, I decided I was going to try to stain the fence by hand. And it was, it was it was good weather on Saturday, windy on Sunday. Well, that's a lot of work, man. I think either that or I'm just that much out of shape. so I just want to I lean towards that, so I pivoted from that project uh <laughs> and then I did finish a couple things and build some shelves in the garage so i'm I'm handy when I need to be, uh, but maybe I'm just not as smart as I, as I used to be or should be uh, when it comes to uh, picking the right time to uh to finish and some projects that are are a little bit more out of my realm. As far as uh, the time and the uh, effort to to stain a fence,
0: so there's a. I'm sure there are plenty of husbands out there, and probably wives out there can, can can attest to this. A lot of us like to start these projects and then never finish them. I can think of a few of them up top of my head that are in here. If my wife came down here, uh, she would let list them out for you. Are you one of those two, or you start those bad boys so that the, the the fence get finished, or did you pivot before it was done?
1: No, we finished it. I finished it, it but it was, it, I had limped to the finish line. Um, but usually I'll start a project and not finish. And there's probably numerous uh, lights that need to be replaced around the house, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I get to them in due time. And uh, I tried to see if I, it was such a nice day. I was like, Oh, I'm going to get started early this year. And then uh, reality set in. Uh, I remembered how much of hard work is on your shoulder. And when you're out of shape and stuff like that to uh, stay in the fence by hand. I need to invest into a, a sprayer, a spray gun, but uh, I decided to do it myself and uh, I finished it, but uh, I learned my lesson and they always say a hard head makes for a soft butt, so. um You know, my butt's pretty soft today. Yeah, I mean, listen, sometimes you
0: got to learn those lessons the hard way. But I I definitely give you props uh, for for diving into that. Before we go any further, though, I also have to give some props. we got to shout out International Women's Day, uh, because that is today when we are recording this, Monday, March 8th. Um, And specifically, I wanted to shout out, because as I was thinking about this, uh, kind of the the Husker women's sports who have really been uh, holding it down for Nebraska, you think about it, obviously, you know, volleyball, women's Gymnastics, softball, basketball, uh, women's gymnastics, bowling, winning national championships to like, man, the, the, the female Huskers out there definitely been holding it down and living up to their end of the bargain, especially in the Big Ten since they joined that.
1: Yeah, they've been pretty consistent and they've been kind of our bell cow. And so, you know, the, the women's volleyball team has obviously been uh, outstanding, both, you know, obviously winning and then obviously, uh, you know, they just had a really good recruiting class um and then you know the women's basketball team are really in, i like watching them
0: yeah oh, well yeah.
1: coached uh by coach Amy Williams they exceeded expectations this year um and so they're really good i think gymnastics has always been good at nebraska track has always been good at, at, at nebraska softball uh you know considering some of the stuff that they went through like uh, in a really short time off the field then you had covid uh they came out the gate so uh, you know you got to give it up to the women's sports they they are no, they both definitely are showing out and showing up, and uh, that's always good for any university, but in particular Nebraska.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because I feel like um, Nebraska, like youth women's sports, um, like girls sports are also very, it's very important right here. You are talking to people like especially the high school level with volleyball um, and softball, but like even like the, the little kids like that stuff, it kind of gets you see how Nebraska has become very good at women's sports because it really starts at a young age. And it's pretty cool to see around here.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's really taken off. And it's also to the national level. I think uh, when you look at Nebraska's volleyball recruiting class, you know, you, you're, they're getting kids right here at Nebraska, you know, and keeping them in, you know, in state, but they're nationally ranked. And then you look at the basketball um, you know, they just finished up the high school championships. And when you think of uh, the Markowski girls and in particular one, that's going to come to Nebraska next year, uh, mm-hmm. they've been out doing that and traveling through like the AU circuits and the club team circuits, which, Markowski helped I think Andy Markowski who's a former Husker helped build a uh, girls youth program the lasers and they're really good and there's other ones throughout Lincoln so and Omaha and so you saw a lot of talent uh in the high school level over the last couple of years not only um you know in basketball and volleyball those are two big ones uh even from Lincoln East you got you know Briley Hill who's right there in Lincoln East she's going to University of Nebraska uh, on a scholarship so that's even big you know when you think about local and then I saw uh there was a girl uh, that was from Nebraska. That's uh, one defensive uh, player of the year out there at the University of of Wyoming. So they're spreading out and spreading all over the place, and it's really, really good. And I think it's something that's uh, been building up for a long time. And anytime that you can get national exposure, uh, whether it's male or female, but for in particular females, it's good for the whole state. So you got to give kudos not only to the college teams, it's also the you know the the coaches that coach the youth, take them out, and expand their horizons. And I think it's just one of those things when they got a little taste of being outside and competing against other kids, they brought it back here and it's actually elevated the whole landscape of high school sports at the high school level for as, as far as the females goes. And so that's a, that's a really, really good thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, now each week we start off, we have a couple of segments and we start off um, with our first one called coach speak, where we go over something that a coach player or a talking head said, and then we'll give you the straight up breakdown about what they meant. Coach speak to real talk. Now, this week comes courtesy of my main man, LeBron James, uh, who had this to say after Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons were kind of ruled out of the All-Star game uh, that happened over the weekend. Quote, well, I think it's very unfortunate that Joel and Ben won't be able to play in our game tonight, James said, hours before the game after hearing about the situation. Obviously, they are two worthy All-Stars, and this means a lot to all of us, even no matter how you feel about having to be here. End quote. So Jay, what did LeBron mean by that statement?
1: Uh, well, I mean, he's just what he said. They're good players, but uh, you know, obviously, there's a lot of guys that didn't want to be at the All Star game. They felt like they're tired, or you know, obviously, they should be tired with the way the season went. Um, obviously, they felt like the the NBA, uh, you know, the big wigs, you know, promised them there wouldn't be an All Star weekend, and then the, magically there was. Obviously, it's a money maker. Uh, things have opened up a little bit. Uh, so LeBron was getting it, you know, on both ends, you know, you know, maybe it's questionable how they, they, they got exposed to COVID, whether the, those two really wanted to be there. Yeah. Or it's there's a barber shop, right? Barber like the, shop and maybe they, that got
0: ex- that tested positive.
1: Right. And maybe they, you know, broke a little bit of a known protocols to, to go to the barbershop and X, Y, and Z, or maybe made it up. I don't really, I'd never want to put any words in like that, accuse anybody of that. But he was also saying that, you know, overall, there's a lot of players that didn't want to be there. So they had to kind of take it on the chin. They want, you know, to relax, some family time, let their bodies heal. Uh, Then they had to go out there and and play an all-star game. So he was talking, you know, on both sides. He was talking about a little bit about the players. Obviously, they're, you know, worthy of being there. They've been really, really dominant in the East. And I think Joel Embiid has been, you know, maybe the MVP from start to finish. Um, Yeah, he's
0: on the short list
1: he's on the short list. He's either one or two and you know, obviously LeBron's always up there. So it's those two battling. So a little bit of that, because I know LeBron has been kind of screwed over some years and he really wants that MVP. And, um, you know, LeBron was able to play. They weren't. So that was a little bit of a jab, but then also it was a bigger jab or maybe a haymaker thrown at the, you know, the Adam silvers and the guys that are up there deciding it uh, to have an all star weekend, considering that the season started so quickly. So, you know, that's just what, you know, part of, you know, LeBron is very, very, uh, you know, thoughtful, but he's very, very smart how he's trying to get his message across or messages across. And he's not afraid to say what other people think or what the majority of people are, meaning, you know, his, you know, obviously, the, whether it's his teammates or everybody else in the NBA uh, wants to get across. So it's, uh, it'd be interesting to see how it goes and how the season ends up as far as who this weekend supposedly affects, but then how they come out of the gates Uh, considering there wasn't a lot of time off.
0: Yeah, I thought it's interesting that, to me, coming out of this All-Star weekend um, and kind of moving through it, the two biggest storylines to me, um, and this is different kind of than most years, were – Should they even be playing the game slash why are they doing this? And the craziness of All-Star being in Atlanta. And I think that both of those things in a way are kind of linked because I think that part of why LeBron and a lot of players, honestly, and he was really just one that has enough clout to say it. Um, Almost all of them probably felt it like he did about, you know, they didn't really want to be there. But but I think part of that is, like you said, hey, the owners have basically said they weren't going to have this then you're going to make us do it, but then we're going to have it in Atlanta in a city that we all love to go to, right? Um, And people are known to go down there and go party, but we can't do it because of everything going on, obviously, with COVID. But then the NBA was trying to crack down on that um, and try to take away the parties, even though I wonder how successful they were at that, if you were kind of keeping them off the books or whatever. But I just think that those were the two kind of dominant storylines of the weekend. And I thought once they started the skills competition, and stuff it kind of looked lackadaisical at first that dunk competition was kind of trash like it was fun to see um Steph win a three point contest because when he gets going, that's what it looks like, right? Um, and so that that was the, probably the best part um, about the skill stuff. But then the game was the game. Um, but then you had all of the kind of craziness surrounding it, where you see you know people coming down, sleeping in U Hauls just to be around it. Um, you could you saw the footage on social media of people partying and acting crazy anyway. Um, so it, it was just kind of a weird weekend, and and probably one of two cities or maybe three if it were, it could have been atlanta vegas maybe new orleans would have been kind of the the three big ones that like i'm sure the players would want to go to but not under these circumstances
1: yeah and it, and also with the you know COVID issues down there with atlanta it's not the the best place to go down there either yeah, that's true and, too, and so yeah they're they, you know they they had protocols for them not to be out there but then at the same time uh, there's still you know exposure down there, and then let's not forget Atlanta is known for all the people going down there. If you've seen some of the the tweets and on Instagram, you know the stories, they are robbing people left and right. <laughs> they are stealing. They, they're known. Atlanta is known if people out there don't know, they're known for whether it's having you know when the Super Bowls down there, All Star Weekend, or any type of big like party weekend. People that drive somewhat even nice cars or even you know, anything, they'll just leave your your car on blocks and take your rims. That's what Atlanta's known for. So there's a lot that goes into it. It's interesting that it was Atlanta. Maybe they were already, you know, predetermined uh, to do it. But you'd like to think that they would use Atlanta for a city when they really, really could, you know, have an all-star weekend. So, um, you know, it's one of those things they had to, you know, sometimes, you know, when you are a player, you got to, you know, take it on the chin. They, they did take it on the chin and look, the NBA and the N- NBA's Player Association have a really really good relationship um th- this is something that's, that's, that to keep an eye on because you gotta think they they had a little bit of a risk of when they were going to start the season uh yeah. because obviously the nba wanted them out there as soon as possible obviously the players association i think wanted to even start it in january so that was the first one then they okay we we, we, we started the season early and we're going to hit you with the all-star game so it's going to be interesting to see when the next big issue comes up uh who comes out on top but uh Yeah. You know, it wasn't a look until everybody's vaccinated or we're back to somewhat normal, which I don't think we'll ever get back to normal. uh, What we had before, it was still going to, you know, then people is going to be in people's minds for quite some time. Um, You know, you're going to have to be able to adjust. And it's just, you know, the NBA is just trying to, you know, they're in survival mode. They got to make money back after a year that, you know, you know, they obviously I'm assuming lost, you know, a pretty penny. So, they're trying to get back, you know, some of the money that they lost and try to get back to some normalcy. So as the season goes on, it's going to be interesting. If things start to open up a little bit more, uh, how many fans are going to be there and how it changes scheduling. Right. Because, you know, now they're maybe spreading things out, but do they, you know, get more back-to-back games? You know, what do they change that a little bit and do they add in the games that were canceled or, or postponed from, you know, earlier in the season? I think it's been 31 games. So Uh, there's a lot of leeway there for the NBA to kind of, you know, get it started. Do they throw out the rule of having eight guys if everybody's vaccinated? Uh, So there's there's some things that to keep an eye on moving forward uh, and to see how, one, it affects the players on the court, and then two, how it affects their relationship with the the NBA and the NBA's Players Association.
0: Oh, there are some, man, it's a fascinating uh, kind of, and I don't know if we can say fights, but just discussions that are on the way. And I do think that you hit two of the really big ones. Um, The thing about fans, and that won't necessarily be a players association versus the owner situation, but the owners will definitely want that as things do start to open up. And as you see kind of, as you see other sports announcing like baseball, for example, has different, um, I think Chicago, I think I just saw this headline where Chicago is going to have 20% capacity for baseball and like different baseball teams have, have announced different stuff. I think LA County has been kind of going through different tiers and they're getting closer to being able to open things up um, so it would not surprise me if you end up with fans at some point by the playoffs um, to at least generate that revenue and have a, a normal um, ish playoff right um, but i think the thing that's coming and this is something that i think that as people were very excited and still are very excited about vaccinations and that helping to get people closer to normal life, you can start to see it. We've seen little comments from players about, hey, it's a personal choice on whether or not I get vaccinated. Adam Silver is saying, hey, maybe we can figure out a way to get everybody in the NBA vaccinated. Like, I think that that's your next kind of battle um, between the players. Because I don't know, and this has happened at, in, in businesses all across America, it's a much bigger discussion than just sports, um, but just about whether or not you can have make people get the vaccine Or like, just is can you just kind of convince them to do it because it would be in the best interest of everybody? um, And if you can actually make them do it, like I think that that's the next thing. uh, Because I actually think, speaking of LeBron, I think he said over the weekend that it's it's just it's a personal choice, it's a personal matter. Um, So we'll kind of see where that one goes.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because you know there's there's apprehension apprehension you know among players. I think they even had. You know, a meeting, you know, to for, you know, they had, you know, independent doctors to come in and explain the vaccination to, to some of the NBA players or some teams have done it. And it's something that's going to, you know, education is going to be, uh, you know, not only, you know, for the masses, for everybody, but then also, you know, these, these athletes, you know, their bodies are, are, are how they get paid. There's apprehension, obviously, from African-Americans, from obviously the stuff that happened before. Uh, you know, even though it was a long time ago, but it's not so long ago that they don't uh, know about it and can't read about it. Right. Um, and, you know, there isn't enough, you know, I guess results from people that have had the vaccination, you know, they're, you know, so, and then you don't know what to believe. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, how they go about it um, and how, if they can really force the hand of players to, to do so. And, you know, that's going to come down to, you know, you don't, you just, it might be a legal battle. It might be a, you know, a team choice. It might be based on your state and how they govern things, you know, yeah. and it might be varied by state by state. You know, then you could even go a step farther if you want to do conspiracy things. Uh, well, that could affect where you go in free agency, uh, you know, next year and X, Y, and Z. And maybe one organization is a little bit more lenient and one's not. And so, um, you know, that's the next big thing. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think the NBA has always been, I would tell you this, I'm going to be very surprised if Adam Silver isn't out in front of this. He's He's very, very, um, thoughtful and at the forefront of doing things for the betterment of the league and the players. I, I don't think he's going to sit on his hands and not talk to not only the NBA player association leadership, but, you know, obviously the star players, the LeBron James, the uh, Kevin Durant, the, you know, the Chris Pauls, you know, the, the guys that are, you know, been through, the, you know, the, the grind with the NBA, been a part of this, you know, generation of really taking it to the next level. But then also those guys are the leadership, you know, of the league and the face of the league. Um, So they're going to he's going to take all their, you know, their thoughts into it and and try to come up with a plan that's for the betterment of the league, obviously, but then also for the players as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that, that, that will just be a really interesting thing because you're talking about like free agency advantages potentially down the road. But like it really just for a short term thing, it could really actually be an availability like in the season and in the playoff situation, right? Like if right. you if you're t- if you can convince your entire team to be vaccinated, it just greatly greatly reduces the chance that any of them would then go miss games, right? And if that what if you get to the point to where, like, you're in the first round of the playoffs and the star player on the opposing team has to miss games through the protocols um, and contact tracing like, well, if he's been vaccinated, that wouldn't have happened. Right. So like that sort of stuff can be really interesting. And you know how it goes with competitive advantages in sports. Like, I think that that's what it will maybe ultimately come down to. But that'll definitely be something to kind of keep an eye on moving forward um, now shifting gears a little bit I think maybe for the first time in a very long time we have a, a commitment to talk about for the Huskers I, it's like back in my wheelhouse I'm feeling good here let's break that down over the weekend Nebraska got their first uh, 2022 uh, commitment from Columbus uh, Nebraska linebacker Ernest Hausman he's a three star out of Columbus High School uh, he's probably about 6'3", 205, 210 but I, I wanted to get into something specific with Jay uh, about this because Ernest has played outside linebacker and wide receiver mostly during his high school career. When I talked to him yesterday um, for the stories I did um, on hill with him he talked about he's been primarily recruited by Barrett Rood and that would be his future position coach obviously to play inside linebacker so my specific question for you Jay is what is what if you've had a chance to look at his film or if you've heard about him what is it that makes a kid project more to inside linebacker versus outside and how do you get a jump start on starting to play that position at the high school level if you have not yet and you're going to do it in college
1: uh one i, I what first thing i look at is i want to see his closing speed and now and see you know playing receiver and i think he might even play a little corner uh you know he, he's a he's a really really good athlete so yeah. You know, that's right there. He checks the boxes there. So he can come in and out of his breaks. You want to see how, he, you know, is able to go from point A to point B with no wasted steps. If you watched his huddle tape, it's, it's pretty pretty apparent that he has uh, that that and then some. And then what I mean by that, he has a, a plenty of room to grow. Uh, and then you want to look at body type, right? You, you know, you might be 6'3", but you have short arms. Are you 6'3", and have long arms? Or, you know, do you have a long torso from, you know, from waist down or waist up? So you want to look at that type of stuff. And then also you want to see how you, you know, ultimately for me is how you can use your hands and the type of plays that you make. Right. So if you're more of a straight line guy uh, when you just kind of run in there and blow things up and, and, and the quarterback or running back is in your way and you, you know, you're more of an outside linebacker guy, when you can make plays in space, which he can, uh, then you can play more of an inside and for him, you know, learning how to take on blocks and stuff like that, that's going to, you know, in high school, you're never going to be good at it because you're, you know, you're not going to be at the college level because you're not playing against college players, right? So that's something that he's going to learn while he gets into group work and learns from Barrett Rude and the guys that have been there. Uh, but this football instincts and, and being so young and so new to the game of football, uh, he's a guy that you you know that you can really. It's almost having like a blank canvas and you can just kind of mold him like a like a thing of clay. And so he doesn't have, he you know he doesn't have a ton of bad habits. He doesn't have a ton of bad coaching. I think he's been coached pretty well. Uh, the fact that, you know, he plays on both sides of the ball, played receiver, uh, what I'd also like, he's going to be able to diagnose routes as well. So you right. want somebody when they're talking about, you know, a skinny post or a bang eight or don't, you know, take the cheese on a flat route, you know, he's able to do that. And one thing that I really, really like is that when he's played outside linebacker, he can drop really well. So that helps when he goes into inside linebacker. He's able to cover space. He's not afraid to play in space. So then he brings another dynamic to your team where you get a playmaker, athlete, or a superior athlete that's able to match up against running backs, a little bit of slot receivers, and then he's big enough or will be big enough to, to really handle big physical tight ends. You know, six three, and you know you're going to maybe get him up to two twenty five. You know, at the you know in the first year or two, he's going to be able to anchor down against there against uh, tight ends, and he can run, and so you know it's just for him I think you know he's a three-star you know I think he's continues to prove they go to camp so they end up a four-star Nebraska got a really big commit because he's he's you're actually getting a player and a, a player and a half I like to call in recruiting you get the guy that you recruited and then you're getting a half another player that he's going to improve by the time he gets on campus and then you're you're pretty much playing with house money you got a three-star recruit that's actually a four and then depending on how he plays he's going to turn into maybe a four or five so it's a you know, it's a good gift for Nebraska, in-state guy. I think it's the first one of 2020. Um, you know, you had you know they got the linebacker up in uh, Omaha, and uh, you know, lineman from Central, where they you know Nebraska to make their you know I think top five or eight. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you get Houseman who's, who's just as good and has maybe a little bit more upside. And I'm, and listen here, I'm not hating on the young man from Burke because he's not Nebraska to commit. I'm talking about more upside because he hasn't played as much football. He's a bigger kid, bigger frame. Um, and so it's th- that that's what I mean by upside. You know I mean, so uh, it's a good get for Nebraska. They should be happy. And then hopefully this opens the floodgates again, some more, uh, you know, moving forward.
0: Yeah. And one of the things, too, is you talk about kind of um, Houseman's potential to continue to move up the rankings and like his potential to continue to get better at, at, at his craft is I, I've begun really in, in the job that I do as recruiting analysts, like really paying a lot of attention to not just the offers that kids get, but are they getting offers from schools um, that that if, if you're a defender, a linebacker, do they play really good defense? Are they known for developing linebackers? Um, and are you getting um, offers from schools in the conference? And that's one of the right. things that really kind of stood out to me about Hausman is that you know he basically picked Nebraska over Iowa, um, Michigan. Northwestern right he also had a Minnesota offer and he had a Michigan State offer right and so I think it was six of the teams in the Big Ten he had offers from and that's the kind of stuff that I really like so like if Iowa and Michigan um, and Northwestern obviously two in division who are very good at identifying and developing linebackers, if they were looking at him um, and were really seriously looking, and I know they were, um, I think that's a great sign. Because sometimes, man, when you beat out, and it's it's not 100% across the board because there are hidden gems out there, Uh, but when you're beating out, you know, kind of random schools versus these schools that you beat out for Houseman, I think it should just make you even more excited as a fan um, to see what these kids can do.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the big school that I saw that uh, you know, um, that that was you know a big deal was uh, Michigan State. Mel Tucker, yeah, uh, is, is well good. known. You know, look, Mel Tucker coming from, uh, you know, coach under Nick Saban, X, Y, and Z. Um, also, you know, coached at Colorado. You know, got a lot out of Colorado's linebackers and played a lot of freshmen and had them play really, really good as we saw when Nebraska lost to him a uh, defensive guy who played at or he's coach in the NFL uh, look when he's offering and, you know, they got the Sparty dog mentality up there and they got the kind of grinders mentality. They want, you know, they, that's a big offer. Throw in Northwestern. It tells you two things. Academically, he's right. Yep, but then yeah, absolutely. look, when you got Pat Fitzgerald that, that knows how to look, the head coach knows how to play the position has built the, his defense around excellent linebacker play. Uh, and you know, knows what to look for. That's going to be in the big 10. That's a double check. So the Nebraska, it's a big get for Nebraska. Uh, they should be happy about it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they're ecstatic and hopefully, you know, things open up here, you know, obviously get more commits, but he's, if you want to start your recruiting class off in 2022, uh, in state or not, I mean, that's the guy that you want. And that's the guy that fits in well, guy that wants to be at Nebraska, which is really, really big. You don't want somebody to say, Hey, um, I didn't have you in my first top eight, but then Nebraska starts winning. Okay. I'll come back in. You know, that's no different than a recruit. You didn't recruit me at the beginning. Now, now you want me. Right. You you, you want
0: both ways. It goes
1: both ways and you want guys that are going to be there and you can't fault kids. Look, I'll tell you this for you people out there. You can't fault Nebraska or kids to want to go to other places. Sometimes there's things that, you know, send kids or make one kids want to go to other States that has nothing to do with the coaching staff. That has nothing to do with whether they offered, one two or three of your kids it's just the way that they want to do it and you can't fault them for it and also it's it's actually a good thing the more people that come in here that want to look at what's happening in Nebraska uh let one it's a good thing it gives them more options but two you're gonna you're gonna have more options to pick from and you can actually pick and choose and you're not going to be let's say like I call it handicapped like okay well this is a kid that we really don't want doesn't fit in our system but he's from Nebraska and we got to take him And he doesn't might not want to be here, but you know what? We got to take him because of the pressure. Now you have 10 choices. Then you can actually take the right choice that for a kid that's, I guess the marriage or relationship is there. He wants to be there. You want him there. Now, would Nebraska like to have every single recruit in 2022? Sure. Woods is going to be good. The kid at Burke's going to be good. Houseman's is going to be good. You want to get him, but if they don't want to come, you can't make them come and you can't feel bad for it, especially if you recruited them. And you offered them, and you did everything you could to get them to go there. It might just not be their choice. Ultimately, it's up to them to make their choice right, and it's also up to Nebraska to make their choice wrong. And that's the great thing about it.
0: Yeah, and that's it, that's what it, I think that's an important thing because as long as Nebraska is making an honest effort at it, and they are, it's not always. And they are in the case of all the kids that we're talking about. Like it, it it's fine. Like you're gonna have. To, it's not fine. Like you don't want that to happen. You don't want those kids to go elsewhere, especially because they're going to go um, to other like big time schools and you don't want to see that. But at the same time, if you're Nebraska, you, can't like wallow in that right and be like oh man Deshaun Woods and Devin Jackson didn't have us in their top group Uh, I guess our class is just screwed on March 8th right like or whatever actually the date it was a couple weeks ago when they actually did that right Right. Um, and so you got to keep it pushing and there's still a path like to Nebraska ending up you know, with a good recruiting class. Because, like, think about it. Even with, you know, some of the misses, you know, like, say, this past recruiting cycle with Keegan Johnson and Avante Dickerson. They were two higher-rated kids from the state um, that didn't come here. Nebraska still ended up with a top-20 class. Like, it doesn't mean that the class is doomed by any means. But you do you want to get them. Um, but there's plenty of time for Nebraska to find other players to be able to fill those roles. And you are right that one of the things that has been – kind of uh, i guess underrated or overlooked about nebraska building these recruiting classes is just how much kids want to be here and so it doesn't matter if you're getting a bunch of four stars but the kid but the kid transfers out in the year right like if he's no longer here it doesn't matter that's not helping your team at all so you've got to also just find a way to have kids that want to be here want to get better want to help turn it around and then get it going but something specifically i also wanted to make sure to mention about Hausman, real quick is that one of the things we talked about a bunch so far with him is just his athleticism, being able to play multiple positions in high school on both sides of the ball. To me, to my very untrained eye, and but still talking to people about these things, it feels like Nebraska is actively trying to get more athletic at the inside linebacker position, and they want to stop seeing what we've seen over the last couple of years, and not as much last year. It got better last year, but the year before it in particular, where teams seem to be at isolated and identifying the inside linebackers to throw on and try to get them in coverage. It feels like they're really trying to address that.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, they have to and they have to. They understand that being more athletic in the in the inside linebacker position is one is the way the games changes because obviously the tight end position is obviously starting to rule the roost here. But then also being more athletic is actually going to give you more options on defense. It's going to allow you to blitz more cover more and you can be even more, I guess, confusing on defense because you're not bringing in guys, uh, you know, off the sidelines because you're able to keep the same unit on. Then you can open up your blitz package. Obviously you want to be able to stop the run. And then also it's been a weakness that they've had uh, ever since they've been here and where it's being a more athletic in the, in the inside linebacker position. If you look at just in the big 10, right? If you look at, look at Penn state, I think was one of the better defenses and then you look at Ohio state. If you look at their, their linebackers and athletic, they are as, athletic as they are than compared to where we're at uh with the guys that are playing say when scott's first or second year it's night and day right um and so they just know that they need to improve it and i think he can do it and um you know you don't have to be 245 pounds and stuff like that you can be 225 and be athletic as long as you're strong and physical and be able to do stuff but it gives you more options more speed the game is a is a game trying they're trying to isolate you and play in space but you also got to be able to come downhill and crack some heads so um, you know, like I said, I keep saying it's a good get. It's good for look for a fan. You need to be excited that Nebraska is going to actually is going out there and making adjustments. You get what I'm saying? They're not yep. just recruiting the same guy. We talked about it. You know, maybe at the very beginning we start doing this podcast how they change up the the, the type of receivers that they're they're recruiting. As yeah, far as didn't you know,
0: quickly. right?
1: They knew right away we can't have these like little water bugs in here and think we're going to survive. So you need some guys, you know, six feet and above that are able to you know, get downfield, be physical, be able to block and stuff like that because it's a big boy football. It's no different at the linebacker position. And uh, you got to be athletes that are out there and you might have to develop them. You might have to get a guy that's 200 pounds, 205, get him in the weight room, make sure he still stays flexible and, and explosive and improve even on his speed and quickness that he had before, all while putting good weight on him. And that's just the way it's got to be. Uh, Nebraska's not getting the Alabama guys that they're coming out there and they're already, what i mentioned before, ready to go. Uh, So you got to, you know, you got to find a different way to, uh, you know, you know, peel the orange or, you know, skin a cat or whatever the, you know, the analogy you want to use.
0: Yeah, for real. And and, and I do think that that is worth noting that they have definitely adjusted um, on the fly and they are trying to get the thing going. Um, You just have to see you just I mean, the the plan makes sense. (laughs) They just have to execute it. Right.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, look, every year, you know, this is the way it goes. You got to, you're, you're forecasting who's going to have a good year, who you want to step up, uh, what guys that are coming in that you expect them to play where he projects, you know, at, you know, at this next level, which is college, will he be ready to play? Uh, How soon will he be ready to play? Yes. You got to hit on recruits, but you got look. part of like having a good recruiting class. You don't know what you have until you're in like year three or four. Right. And so, um, and part of having a good recruiting class in year three or four is, is getting guys that want to be there and want to actually improve on their football skills and actually want stick it out to get, it, <laughs> well, stick it out. Well, one thing, here's the, here's the thing with kids. Now they like getting recruited more than they like getting coached. That's the thing. That's the thing about the transfer portal. That's so dangerous, right? Oh, I got recruited. Uh, you know, coach showed me love this, this, and this, I get here and I actually have to work. I got to be up on time. I got to be there to work out. And there's actually guys that are just, as good as me, and actually a lot of them are bigger, faster, and stronger, right? Than I am right now, and I actually got to you know work for my position. Okay, I'll jump in the transfer portal and have some you know lower level college recruit me at the same time, and then you got to do the same thing when you're there. So yes, the ability to stick it out is is going to be um, won't be such a big problem when you have guys that want to be there, right? This is something that that, that they want to do. Whether you say, hey, you want to be ready, be a part of the big red turnaround? you want to be a part of? you know, the group that, you know, started the winning tradition X, Y, and Z, you know, I would just say, do you want to go and take advantage of a huge opportunity that could in a lot of ways set you up for the rest of your life? Not just going to the NFL, right? You could you could have a big impact at the University of Nebraska in your four or five years and not step foot on the NFL field because you could cement yourself in the university of being a good player, part of something that's obviously bigger than you, and then have the ability to come back, either work at the university or get a job in the state of Nebraska. That, I mean, that's really what you're, what you're looking at. And you have to see beyond, you know, year one practice one first month, you got to see two or three years down the road and you got to see somebody that uh, you can compare yourself to, or actually that you want to beat out to get to the point that I just mentioned before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that wise words that we get, I wrote something about that on the site last week is that you have to be able to understand a, that when you enter that portal, is not necessarily going to be like it was when you got recruited. Um, You are almost always going to have lower level schools than what you were being recruited at out of high school coming after you. And in a lot of cases, if you had been a little mentally tougher to stick it out, um, not in all cases, but a lot, um, things would have worked out for you and you would have learned a valuable lesson um, as well. Now, every week we end the show with a segment called Put Them on Blast, where we basically put somebody on blast for something that they did or said. Put them on blast. This week, I'm going with somebody that I think surprisingly we might not have used before. I know I haven't, and I'm actually surprised that we've gone this far into the show without. And that's Stephen A. Smith. I'm going to put him on blast uh, for saying that Dame Willard needed to leave Portland to be appreciated, all while he is the man at ESPN and he's ignoring what Dame Lillard did in the All-Star game last night. If for some reason you missed it, Dame Willard last night had uh, 32 points and made eight threes in the All-Star game last night, including essentially a half-court shot uh, to end the game, uh, which is really cool. You had Steph Curry coming out on the court doing Dame's like wave goodbye that he did to Oklahoma City. Sorry, Derek Peterson, noted Oklahoma City fan, my colleague over at Hill Varsity. Um, But I find it interesting for two reasons. One... I, I like Dane Willard a lot. Like I've always secretly hoped that he could be on the Lakers and that would be great. Um, but I also think it's very cool that he's tried to stick it out with Portland and just make them better. Even year after year, people pick against Portland making the playoffs. It feels like in every year they make it every year. They're pretty dangerous. Um, they had that really good run a couple of years ago. Um, but you know they just haven't been able to get over that hump, and I, and I wish for him that they could find a way to do that. I don't know if he needs to leave necessarily, but I also think that a person that really helps to control that narrative, Stephen A. being one of ESPN's top employees, um, could just do more to promote Dane Willard, who we all see as one of the greats in the game right now.
1: Yeah, Stephen A. is 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 very it's very funny how he uses his platform, right? He he'll use it for. Uh, when he was all in on Kawhi and Paul George and then, you know, LeBron's getting taken over. Then he, then he moved to KD coming back. Uh, Dame Lill- Lillard has been putting in work in, a, I guess, a small market in Portland, doing some things that nobody ever thought that he could do with that type of team and organization up there. And the best that he came up with is that he has to leave. Where would he go? I guess, you, you know, you've heard rumors, maybe the Lakers, but ultimately he should use his platform, his leadership and his name to really shed light on the things that he's doing. He's doing it harder than anybody else. Yes, you got, you know, C.J. McCollum, but he's not, you know, a Clay Thompson. He's not really a Draymond in his, you know, Draymond's role. He's not an Anthony Davis. He's not a Kyrie. And then, you know, obviously James Harden as far as what KD has. He's literally doing it with a really, really good player as, is, as his co-partner, but not a superstar. Um, and, you know, what type of, if you know and read about Damon Lillard, he's very loyal and so to suggest that actually uh, comes back to you as you're doing like easy. That's the easy option, right? That's like somebody says, oh, I'm going to, you know, quit and, and, and maybe try to go to a better team and, and you know, like kind of like a James Harden, I'm not going to stick it out. Or Damon Lillard, Lillard, Lillard really thinks that he can make a big run in Portland and do some great things up there. So uh, Stephen A., what, he is the biggest voice in, in sports media, especially when it comes to the NBA uh, he should have had a better solution than that and should have gave Damian letter a little bit more respect because uh, he's a guy that's true and true. And he's, you know, he's from the town in Oakland and he's not going to, you know, just, you know, sell Portland out uh, just like that. And, and take the easy route out, which really Stephen, a dogged LeBron for it then kind of gave KD. Well, he got on KD a little bit, gave him a pass yeah. and then really yeah. didn't hit James Harden and all the, and, and he didn't hit Kawhi Leonard up as hard as he hit, uh LeBron and KD. Now he's suggesting that somebody do it, but when he's actually suggested that they, these stars shouldn't do it up until this point, so it's kind of I call it playing tennis, double talking, and uh you're never right and you're never wrong. So um yeah, you're right for putting them on blast. And so now, who I'm, I was gonna just double down on basketball and put Blake Griffin on on blast because <laughs> he's joining the Lakers, and yeah. you know that you know for a guy that wants to come off the bench and, and hang out with DeAndre Jordan. It's kind of a weak move, but I can see it going with the Nets, and obviously with the way the Lakers' injury situation, I can understand that. But I'm not going to put him on blast. So since I let you, uh, you know, you know, cover, you know, the basketball, well, I'm going to go over to the UFC, and this guy's been popping off to John Jones, who is probably the the goat of UFC fighting. He's the best of all time. He's kind of on a little hiatus, kind of just chilling. Is Israel uh, a, a Desenza who's always been chirping at John Jones? Thought he was just going to have a cakewalk. And his championship fight, moving up the middleweight, didn't put enough weight on, right? Stayed around 190, 185, fighting a bigger guy that, was, that weighed in at 205. His fighting weight was 220. And if you saw it, I just saw the highlights. Uh, but he just got suffocated and destroyed. And now the fight's off, right? So you've been chirping for two you know, two or three years. You want John Jones, you're the greatest of all time. You want to beat him. And then you couldn't beat the guy that you were the odds-on favorite. I think you were plus three or 400 to beat him. Uh, you know, of course, Vegas, and you're trying to fight the greatest of all time. And obviously John Jones says, I'm imagining that super fight is off the table, no more distractions. And so, you know, John Jones is the ultimate troller. But then when you, when you talk so much and disrespect John Jones, disrespect how he's obviously built up the sport for him to be successful. Uh, now you come back and you lay an egg. Now you don't even get your, your dream match against John Jones. And uh, so I'm putting him on blast because you never ever count your chickens before they hatch. You never take an opponent lightly. And, uh, you know, he took obviously uh, his opponent lightly and he lost the middleweight belt and he lost a lot of respect from John Jones uh, and a little bit in the UFC ranking. So I'm putting him definitely on blast
0: especially you never take opponents, um, lightly, especially in that sport of all sports, because you just never know, man, like those dudes are pro fighters too. Like you just never know what's going to happen, which is always, has always had always been kind of my favorite thing about the UFC. Like, yeah, there's like really dominant people like John Jones has been, uh, like Amanda Nunez is who, who want to get over the weekend, um, and others, but like, and still, even in those runs of dominance, like you just never know that one punch that lands just right, or that one kick, or you slip up and you get caught in that chokehold, um, and it's all over for you. So that's how I'm even more surprised that somebody would do that in that sport.
1: Yeah, you can get caught slipping, and you and you could be you could be you know 19 and 0 and fighting a guy that's you know 16 and two or you know 14 and four, and he might have been fighting you know better you know, opponents, or he just went back to the lab and got a new coach or, you know, it's just not your night and you get caught slipping. And when you get caught slipping, you get put to sleep. And, uh, you know, that's what he did. He couldn't handle the bigger man and he, and he got manhandled and John Jones is a big dude, uh, that, you know, that has to work extremely hard to make weight. So, you know, I think it probably, you know, cemented that he's not going to get a title shot, but it's just, I had to put him on blast because, uh, he wanted it and he couldn't get to do that last test before you get to the, You know to meet your maker and uh you know when you chirp and you and you cross the line of just promoting yourself uh you know sometimes it comes back to bite you those those sports guys are no joke
0: yeah absolutely you know that's that's a good spot to leave it for today uh make sure you subscribe to the podcast everywhere that you listen to them. uh rate us and leave us a five-star review if you leave four i am inclined to think that you are a hater uh, make sure that you are checking out the other podcasts on the Hale Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own podcast, Varsity Club, more to it, and the Hale Varsity Radio Show. You can also check out the Hale Varsity YouTube page, where I did a, a video again this morning, kind of the recruiting question of the week. And you can email the show at StraightUpBreakdown at com, Or you can find us on Twitter at HB and at Foreman5644. We will catch you next time. A Media Production.